Well, hello, this is Tim O'Keefe, Spider Juice Technology, and we're getting the podcast going again after a nice little break. I have with me today Bruce Newman, the author of The Marketing Revolution in Politics, What Recent U.S. Presidential Campaigns Can Teach Us About Effective Marketing. And uh, as I like to say, it seems like uh, uh, the, the Donald Trumps and, and the Bernie Sanders and, and all this uh, theater that's going on in our politics today is, is really a marketing school. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. And so what I'd like to do is, uh, first of all, say hello to you, Bruce. How are you? Great. How are you, Tim? Awesome, awesome. I uh, I've been away from podcasting for a while, and it's kind of nice to get back. And I'm really glad I'm talking with you because it's so timely. Uh, we're in the middle of, a, of 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 high season for the politics. Yes, and, we uh, are. It's never been more interesting in in my view. So I wanted to just kind of introduce you if i may and then uh you go ahead sure. and, and tell us a little bit about yourself from your own words and and we'll mm-hmm. get rolling with some questions uh, you know it says uh there's a marketing revolution taking place in politics right now one where the old rules don't matter and where new rules are being tested every day whether it's master brander donald trump rejecting traditional political polling or hillary clinton seeking to reshape reshape her image and become the first woman president. These candidates are making use of the latest techniques to win the hearts and minds of voters. For the first time ever, businesses need to pay attention to what's happening in politics if they too want to be on the cutting edge of the new marketing revolution. And uh, Bruce, again, welcome. And what does all that mean and what's it mean to us as a business person? Well, to a business person, as they view the current political situation, and even going back to Obama 2008 and 2012, uh, what you have is a case study of marketing in an extreme situation. It's extreme in the sense that there's 24-7 oversight of what's going on. Uh, there are any, any action, any move, any uh, decision, uh, any organizational uh, strategic changes made are picked up uh, from moment to moment. And business can learn from this because we have a situation where the politicians effectively become brands in the marketplace. So as we watch this current campaign unfold, we're watching brands being massaged and changed, attacked, uh, retooled <laughs> almost on a moment to moment basis. And it becomes an environment where business can learn how to take advantage of the use of big data, customer analytics, micro-targeting, and social media, and understand the power of these technologies and how they've really been used to a level in the political world that now offers insights back to both profit and nonprofit marketers. Well, that's interesting. So... Is this how, say, a, a Donald Trump can all of a sudden turn on a dime, you know, from night to night? Is from from you know micro targeting or my, or big data and and polls that are that are going after information that that we're not used to in the past? 
Well, in the case of Donald Trump, uh, certainly uh, we witness a brand that's been very consistent. Uh, whether you like him or not, uh, his brand is well-defined. It's based on the, the theme that he's going to make America great again. And consistently, he's been outrageous in his actions, his words, uh, and he really hasn't had to uh, change on a dime as much as a Jeb Bush tried to change on a dime and wasn't able to uh, because he was attacked and his brand was destroyed pretty well by Donald Trump from the get-go in, uh, in the first debates. And you, you saw a situation where uh, these candidates uh, are in crisis mode from day one. This is another interesting uh, storyline for business people that they could learn from. Uh, a crisis for uh, a corporation like BP might happen uh, once every 10, 20, 30 years uh, with an oil spill. A crisis for Carnival Cruise you know, might happen uh, once or twice here or there. But the, the crises that take place in a campaign that we're watching uh, play out right now in the current election, uh, they're happening daily. I mean, you, you've got Ted Cruz firing his uh, campaign spokesperson. You have the, the most recent outrageous claim uh, by Mitt Romney that there's a bombshell waiting in the tax records of Donald Trump just coming out today in the news. How is Donald Trump going to respond to this in the debate tonight? So these crises that take place uh, often take place on in social media. And we, we've witnessed Donald Trump uh, taking advantage of social media, tweeting quite a bit, very effective in the sense that the tweets get put onto the traditional media outlets. So it's not just the social media communication going on between Donald Trump and his followers, but it's, it's the rest of the country watching CNN and the other CNBC and all the other stations, MSNBC, uh, having them play, replay the tweets and talk about, so what did Donald really mean? Or you have the case of a Bernie Sanders, who's been very effective in using social media to connect with young people. He is using Snapchat. And for any young person who receives a Snapchat from him, who happens to be following him, he has a filter put into the Snapchat message. And if you access the filter, a commercial place. So we're, we're in a situation where a candidate, a brand, if you will, can be altered, changed, massaged on a moment-to-moment -moment basis vis-a-vis -vis social media. So really, it, if I'm hearing you right, and I, I tend to believe this, is the, the social media is driving the, the cable news networks at night. Well, I would I would say uh, it, it is it is on in the case of Donald Trump, I would say his his use of uh, Twitter has been very effective at doing that, which which yeah. raises the question: So why is he winning? Well, maybe that's one of the reasons he's winning. Uh, we also have a situation where uh, we have, um, if you will, when you compare the political to the uh, commercial marketplace, you you have uh, as 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 it's happening on the commercial side, you have a direct link now, like uh, customers who go to Amazon to buy something. They don't have to go into a retail outlet, and that retailer doesn't have to wait to get it from a wholesaler. They go direct 
to the manufacturer. Same thing has happened on the political side, and that's allowed someone like a Donald Trump, non-politician, to circumvent the party apparatus and go direct to the voter to build his own database. As you might or might not know, the only requirement to get into a Trump event is to give over your email address. So as he holds these events around the country and has since uh, since the summer, uh, he's building his database. Now, this database was used in Obama 2008 and 2012 so creatively and so effectively that he was able to create a model based on a thousand variables, use big data, which is nothing more complicated than saying we take silos of information, we take people's uh, TV viewership habits, uh, they take people's magazine readership habits, they take the records that sit in public courthouses of how people voted, they then bring all of that together and they use analytics and they mine that information and they create a dashboard, if you will, which is what Obama did in 2008 and 2012. On this dashboard gives the strategist sitting there, whether it's someone in charge of advertising or fundraising or volunteer networks, gives that person the ability to click once, twice, get all the information they need to feedback to whomever they're communicating with. It gives the campaign it did in 2008 and 2012 the ability in real time to change what someone might see if they went to Obama's campaign website. So that based on the cookies that were in the computer, past history of the persons viewing it, they would know exactly what to feed to them on this basis. It gave the Obama campaign in 2008 and 2012 the ability to create persuasion scores for millions of voters. The millions of voters are the ones that they micro-targeted who were sitting on the fence. Those are the ones they had to persuade. They knew who was the most persuadable. And by knowing who was the most persuadable, they were able to win the popular vote with only 3% of the, of the margin in 2012, but with 30% of the electoral college vote. So you know, you're, you're talking about a database that now sits probably in the hands of Hillary Clinton that Donald Trump, and I'm guessing it's going to be a Trump-Clinton campaign, he has to build and create from scratch. Ah, that's interesting, isn't it? Ah, uh, wow. Let me let me go back to that uh, that differential uh, of popular versus delegate because if I recall um, in your book uh, that equated and, and help me out with those numbers, but a little over fifty percent of the popular vote went to Obama. Mm-hmm. Which, when you look at that, you're like, yeah, so what? But then you mm-hmm. see the delegate vote, which was three. What was it? Three seventy. Five or something? Or, it was up in the uh, mid three hundreds, right? Yeah, okay. thirty percent, thirty percent beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he crushed Romney with with delegates. And if I recall in the book, what you uh, the way that I took it was that you said that um, uh, Obama's team went after. Uh, you just said it a second ago. The people that were kind of on the fence, but that doesn't mean. Right. They were Democrats. They were also anything else. It was just that they're on the fence, correct? That's correct. Uh, Because uh, mm -hmm. 
Well, the, uh, I'll let you answer uh, the que- uh, what you were going to say, but the question for me that begs to be asked, and I'm kind of thinking of this as I'm looking at today's uh, campaign theater, mm-hmm. does the R or the D next to your name start losing significance at some point? Oh, there's no doubt, Tim, that the the uh, the driving force in politics uh, that's been happening now for uh, 60 years, even going back to Eisenhower in '52, there has been a gradual decline in the role and importance of party affiliation, and an increasing role in the importance of marketing and the role of consultants and the technology that's come along with marketing, going back to TV in the 1950s, to direct mail in the 1970s, to the role of branding with Ronald Reagan in the 1980s, to the war room with the Clinton campaign in the 1990s, to the genius of a Carl Rove working with a George W. Bush, understanding, for example, that all they needed to win for a second, uh, a second term in office was to win over 3 million more voters. I personally was in Mexico City speaking with Matthew Dowd right after they won uh, in, wow. in uh, 2000. And Matthew Dowd, to, we have 300 uh, Mexican politicians there, and Matthew Dowd revealed what I had never heard in U.S. media, and that is he said we didn't care who the opponent was against Bush, uh, in 2004, as it turned out to be, uh, it was Kerry. He said, we knew all we needed were 3 million new voters. So he said, we went around the country to every evangelical uh, church and asked every church leader to enlist as many new voters as they could. And we knew, he said, that all we needed were 3 million new voters. So that was the technology at the time. That was a Carl Rove mentality to, to where we're at today. And where we're at today is even more sophisticated because it's taking all of the big data and analytics and using it to do just what you were talking about before, Tim, and that's to know where to cherry pick and look for votes in states that you know you have a chance of winning to get the electoral college votes to win the presidency. Wow. I, I, I want to get back to something you said earlier, and you talked about Trump destroying Bush's brand. And certainly uh, he, I think, was, was a big establishment, as they say, pick. Uh, he, he had a, a background, arguably, that was uh, something good to run on, but it got destroyed, as you say. What would you suggest for him knowing what you know that might have been able to get him back on the rails? It's a great question, Tim. And and here's my answer. Unfortunately for Mr. Bush, he ran in a, in a time at a time when the American voter was angry, when the American voter was looking for an anti-establishment Candidates, when the American voter was looking for someone who was going to shake things up. If you will, there's a movement that Trump and Sanders, and to some extent Cruz, have tapped into in this campaign. And unfortunately for Jeb Bush, even with the over 
$100 million that his super PAC raised. It wasn't enough money. If no money would have been enough to have promoted a brand that didn't resonate with a message that connected with people on some emotional or rational level. He just, unfortunately, was never able to make that emotional connection. To further exacerbate his situation was the fact that he didn't perform well in the debates. At the end of the debate season, up until the point that he left the campaign recently, he started to get his his, his uh, game plan going. He started to get a little more aggressive with Mr. Trump. He even decided not to wear glasses. He had a slightly more piercing look in his eyes. But it never, it never erased the fact that in this marketplace where the brand that you might prefer as a voter is, is in from every day is in the news being attacked and reattacked. This we have nothing like this in any business market where a company's brand has to be constantly reevaluated and built up and respond to the kind of attacks that Trump used against Bush. So my advice if, if I if I had to give it to him would have been take off the glasses sooner, stand up uh straight in the debates, don't clasp your hands in front of yourself. Uh, don't look as nebbish as I think he looked when he did that. Look stronger. Look like Cruz. Look like Trump. Hands down at the bottom. Look at Trump tonight when he's on the debate stage. He'll be standing rock solid straight up with his chest stuck, uh, standing out and his chin out. A lot of that plays in this theater that you referred to before. It plays a very important role. So I really don't know that there was anything that he could have done to have won in this campaign. Maybe if wow. he ran when McCain ran, you know, McCain was also another uh, rather bland candidate. Of course, he was a war hero, which Jeb Bush uh, is not. Maybe he would have had a chance uh, uh, back in, uh, you know, back in, uh, uh, in, in 2008 when McCain ran. But I don't think there was much I could have done to help that man. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to agree with that. Well, let me ask you this. This is all fascinating, and, and uh, I could talk politics and what's going on right now uh, to death. But the thing that is of interest and is implied in your book is that this, and you've already talked about it a little bit, is, is this means something to business. It's, it, we don't have to deal with this day-to-day, -day, thank God, or nobody would be in business probably <laughs> But um, we do have to deal with it and, it, and it does because I think, and I think you also said it somewhere, because the speed of technology and the disruption, really, of technology, uh, uh, which I really think is kind of sort of mirroring what's going on in politics right now is kind of what's mirroring in, in, our, in our culture and our country is just this disruption largely caused by technology that that has us kind of on edge and, 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 uh, and, and a lot of angst, I think, is you said anger, but there, there's, there's constant change. And I don't think it's normal for humans to be constantly, uh, you know, thrown at, thrown so many images, as an example. Uh, I look at my kids and swipe, 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 or on Facebook, swipe, swipe, swipe a message every two seconds or however fast it is to swipe, 
you got to wonder what is that doing to our brains and our and our, our just our serenity. But I kind of I digress a little bit. How does this? How do we use big data, micro targeting, uh, finding niches in the sweet spots like our our presidential campaign people? How do we do that in our business? How's the dentist? How's the doctor? How's the lawyer? Uh, How's the plumber? How do they find these spots? Well, they're they're all to a lesser or greater degree, lesser for the plumber or greater for the dentist and lawyer using this technology. But the big message in the book is that Obama 2008 represented a paradigm shift in politics, and it represents a startup organization that brings around the table people from many different uh, uh, areas of expertise, almost like we have what is referred to as the movie model, where you make a movie, you bring in the actor, the actresses, staff, you make the movie, they disperse. So you bring a team together. And I think the lesson from Obama 2008 and 12 is that you need to be creative as a business person and be willing to bring people to sit around the table in no, no different a way than the startup organization that Obama ran in both campaigns did. And it manifests itself on the side of companies wanting and needing to put themselves in the same position as Obama did and as the candidates are doing today. Take, for example, a British Air using this technology, feeding to the person who's standing at the gate as you're ready to walk onto the jet, if you're walking into business or first class, they have so much information about you. They started to address the person as they walked up by name because they had a facial impression on their handheld computer, and they started saying, hello, uh, Mr. Uh, <laughs> hello, Mr. Mr. O'Keefe, and welcome uh, to the flight. And we know that you like to have your, uh, your scotch on the water as soon as you sit down. It almost got too personal. So, so businesses have to be careful, A, to know how to use this information. Uh, secondly, they have to be able to know that it's possible to use the information to make their people who interact with the customer more effective. For example, take a MetLife insurance company that had their agents having to click their computer 40 times to get to the historical records that gave them the ability as they sat and talked to a client on the phone, the right message based on their history. They moved that from 40 clicks to one click. How wow. did that happen? That happened because the big data has been, the data has been around for 40 years now. Companies have been collecting data for 40 years. We now are just beginning to have the expertise vis-a-vis uh, -vis analytics to know how to mine the data, feed the information to companies. And the big challenge to companies today is, is to learn how to use the right information with the right methods that are, are employee-friendly that make it a positive instead of a negative like it was for British Air. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I know for the lower, uh, just for those listening, uh, and maybe Bruce, you want to get into this a little bit, but I mean, if you just look at Facebook, uh, I mean, we're just leaving as consumers trails of, of juicy data for, for Facebook to turn around and use for advertisers. I mean, if anybody has ever 
really dug into using, like we do, Facebook advertising, you can pick all kinds of demographic uh, uh, pieces that you know may or may not be relevant to to your marketplace. And uh, I mean, that's just one example. Um, I mean, can you think of of anything else? Uh, just for the you know, we, we're mm-hmm. talking shareways. Can you know? Uh, well, I, I mean. A lot of the people- Small the, the ability, yeah, the ability exists now for uh, experts in this area to analyze millions of tweets, for example, to figure out what what's the common thread between what people are talking about on Facebook. Uh, and by the way, if you go back, if you go back to 2008 and look at the growth of Facebook to the current situation, it's, it's grown. In, in many ways, also we have so many more new social media applications. The, the fact of the matter is that companies can now pick and choose the social media outlet that they want to effectively communicate in the way that they want with the people that they're trying to uh, win over as customers, whether it's sending a message, whether it's sending a visual, whether it's getting them to come and pop onto their website, the point is that we live in an era now where it's getting very complex. Uh, the average millennial is spending three and a half hours on their apps, on their mobile phones. This is the future. Mobile is the future. So uh, you talked about uh, the use of this information by, uh, by dentists. Doctors uh, in the future will be having you run your own tests on your body and you'll be communicating that information vis-a-vis some, some social media website. They'll take it, run with it, use it. So what, where, is, where is this moving to? It's, it's hard to say. You talk about it as a disruption of sorts. I think I like to talk about it as, as the future and yeah. as what it is the young people now know is the norm. It's a disruption to someone who's older, who's not comfortable with it, who's not used to it. But to our children and to the, even the children in grade school, they're multitasking and using these new technological tools in a way that we might have used it on a calculator 20 years ago. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Talking about us old guys, I'll uh, put you in the same uh, category okay. as me, if you don't mind. Uh, no. <laughs> We all have been using those uh, uh, those little cards at the at the markets, right? That are supposedly give us a discount of of X mm-hmm. amount percent. Those have been creating data trails off of us for as long as I can remember anymore. And I've always wondered. I I don't I've, I don't recall ever seeing anything that I've received in the mail. Uh, or, or any, any way they acted at the market that would indicate that they're really giving me something that's targeted towards my behavior. And I'm just wondering, uh, am I off? Am I missing something? Or are they just using it in, in well, more of a general <laughs> way and not, not targeting it at me? It's something well, that's been on my mind forever, and I figure you might yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- take a Target, for example. A Target used to have a uh, affinity card, as we call them, rewards card yeah. that you would bring in. Uh, they got rid of that uh, within the last year or so. And if you want rewards now from Target, you have to go online. You can't use your card. They're forcing you online. 
where I shop around my house at a Mariano's uh, to get the best deals, I have to go online. I do have a rewards card, and, of course, they're using that information to sell and to use back to the retailers and the manufacturers, the, rather the manufacturers that are sending their, their goods uh, and putting them on the shelf of their supermarkets. But uh, this, this data, this information is being used to send you, whether you know it or not, if you're not hooked online with them, you're getting, uh, you're getting communication from many different uh, uh, retailers and manufacturers on a regular basis once you go online. I, I go to Sports Authority to get equipment. I'm online, and they let me know when there's a sale going on. They let me know that, oh, I purchased a pair of running shoes uh, um, two months back. Am I interested in getting a new pair? So it's happening, and it, you might not be aware of it because maybe you're not as uh, careful a shopper uh, as uh, other people are. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. That's uh, that's that's fascinating. Listen, I I really appreciate your time. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add as far as the uh, as far as business or even the the old or the new campaigns? Well, we I, I would just yeah, I would just add that um, expect the unexpected as we watch this campaign unfold, and don't assume that the old model is still intact anymore in politics. The old party model is more from party to retail to internet. The party mo the the model in politics today is all internet based. It's it's connected to the technologies I talk about in my book. My book I talk about uh I talk about seven marketing lessons that a business uh, can can uh, learn from politics, and in my book I present a um, what I call a strategic triad. I integrate three different sectors in the book: the political, the for-profit, and the non-profit. I then uh, analyze several different companies in each of these different sectors. I talk about the use of best practices in each and have case uh, examples and histories that rely on big data that rely on customer analytics, that rely on micro-targeting, that rely on social media in many in different ways. And then I show how the best practices in the three sectors can be used in other sectors in new and different ways. Then those are intertwined into the seven marketing lessons that I talk about in the book, which is lesson one is to respond to the customer needs and wants in the marketplace. Lesson two is to develop a unique brand identity. Lesson three is to use technology strategically. Lesson four is to integrate different research methods. Lesson five is to develop a winning advertising strategy. Lesson six is to build a relationship with your customers. And lesson seven is to be able to respond to crises. So the book very much is all about integrating what's going on with these new technological tools in these three different sectors and how this plays out in each of the marketing lessons that I talk about throughout the book, the seven different marketing lessons. Phenomenal. Uh, how do I get the book? You can go to Amazon.com and type in Bruce I. Newman, and that is the easiest way to get a copy of The Marketing Revolution in Politics. 
That old internet thing again, huh? Actually, I uh, I already have uh, a link on the uh, Spider Juice Technologies Facebook page uh, with a picture of the book, uh, and also uh, I'll be putting up uh, this onto the uh, my email list as well as onto uh, various websites and more social. Um, Bruce, I uh, I really uh, appreciate your time, and uh, this is fascinating stuff, and and uh, I really, again, I really think it's relevant to business people to understand what's going on. This this is a great mirror in real time to uh, to what we're seeing, going to be seeing in the future, as you, you said earlier. And uh, and uh, also just to kind of guide us that this is this is for real. A lot of the stuff the gurus have been talking about uh, are coming to light finally, or, or have. And uh, to and this theater that we're watching uh, again tonight <laughs> is is another example of uh, of the future. Like it or not, uh, we're living in reality TV, perhaps. <laughs> Well, to, to some degree, we are. <laughs> but Bruce, listen, thank you so much, and uh, I'm welcome. going to uh, uh, to sign off now, and uh, and hang on uh, for after I turn the recording off, and we'll chat a bit, and we'll, and thank you again. Oh, I thank know you, what I was going to ask you. I'm sorry. I, gosh, I should get uh, podcast send for this. What is your website? Or social. My website is www.politicalmarketing.com. Awesome. And are you uh, on any of the socials at all? Or uh... No, as a professor, I stay away from them, except for LinkedIn. <laughs> That's the only one I'm in. All right, I don't, I don't blame you as a professor. <laughs> that could be dangerous. <laughs> hey, all right, terrific. Uh, everybody, go check out the book. Check out his website. And uh, one more thing, and this is, uh, gosh, again, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting sloppy here. Uh, you said you, you, you do a lot of speaking. Is there yeah. any videos uh, out there that uh, w- where we'd be able to enjoy your, your speeches? Well, I would say the best place to go is to eSpeaker.com, as it's spelled, E-S-P-E-A-K-E-R.com. Uh, plug in my name, Bruce I. Newman, and I will pop up, and uh, people will see some videos and recent articles I've written, as well as some uh, speech topics that I'm uh, speaking about uh, as this campaign continues on. Well, thank you again, and uh, this time for real, I'm going to sign off, and uh, uh, you're a fascinating guy, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Tim. I enjoyed it. Thank you.